Good afternoon, everyone. Um, welcome to the third Limitless Kids uh, seminar. I hope you guys are feeling ready and prepared to hear from Shireen. Shireen is incredible. She's currently the associate pastor at Coventry Elam with Emma. Um, she's also part of the um, Elam Aspire women's team, um, which is fantastic. Um, she has a um, history in um, being a trained counsellor um, and also worked within schools um, as a family worker, working with families with children with complex needs. Um, she's also a big sister to me. I actually call her Big um, and she's just a great support in terms of ministry um, and, and being a woman as well. Um, so we are going to have a great time with Shireen in her session. Um, she's going to be speaking on building bridges, creating an environment to build that bridge between kids' work and the wider church. So are you guys ready and expectant? Yeah? And Father God, we just thank you for who you are. You are God Almighty. And I thank you for Shireen, Lord. I thank you for um, the way that you've um, brought her here, Lord Jesus, the way that you've placed the word within her heart to bless and encourage, but also to challenge, Lord. Lord, I pray that we'll all be receptive and ready for what she has to say, um, but you will go before her. Give her boldness and courage. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's a real privilege uh, to be here and to be speaking to you this afternoon. I love uh, kids' work, children's ministry. It's got a really special place in my heart for some of the reasons I'll go into in a little while. But it's probably helpful for me to know uh, who is in the room. So do we have any church leaders in the room? Fantastic. That's good. That's really helpful. It just kind of shapes where I go this afternoon. Uh, full-time kids workers, paid full-time kids workers. A few of you, fantastic. Volunteer kids workers. Most of you are volunteers. God bless you. Um, Bivocational, uh, so like paid partly by the church and also doing something else. Yeah, so a bit of a mixture in the room. That's really, really helpful to know. Because what you do as children's workers is way more than just babysitting while the adults do important stuff like uh, reading the Bible and worship and stuff like that. What you do is really, really important. The lifetime impact of children's ministry is immeasurable. We just cannot measure the lifetime impact of it. You are all investing into a brighter future for the church because you spend time with the future um, pastors and leaders and worship leaders and the children that are go, go on to be those prayer warriors in the church or go into the world and be at those decision-making tables. You guys have a real hand in shaping that, shaping the next generation and the future, not just for the church, but also for the communities that you serve. You know, there will be unchurched families that will come to your church just because of the kids' work that you provide. We've seen that in our own church. We've seen that that draws people in. There are people who are looking for churches, families who are Christians that are looking for churches. And the reason or one of the main reasons why they may choose your church is because of the kids' work that you provide. And their kids come back and say, Mom, can we go to this church? Or Dad, can we go to this church? Because I had a great time upstairs or in the side room. So please do not underestimate what you are doing. Because when you honor parents, parents and you honor children you are honoring God 
you really are honoring God. So as a person who was brought up in the church, I can still remember my uh, Sunday school uh, teacher. Her name was Sister Wilkinson. She was the kind of woman that you didn't want to sit behind her in church because she always had a big hat on and you wouldn't be able to see a thing. Such a gentle spirit. She's in her 90s now and still going strong. Absolutely love that woman. As a parent of two teenagers, I want to thank you as kids workers because my children have been invested into um, and their spiritual journey has been invested into by people who do jobs like yourselves. And I, as a parent, have been supported um, through kids work, through Emma and the team. They just do an amazing job. She is the best kids worker um, that is going. So, I, and, I, and I don't say that lightly. I love you all, but... And as a pastor of a local church, I just need you to know that you are so valued. That what you are doing is so, so important to the local church. So before I go any further, I just want to just pray, pray a blessing over you guys. Like, Father God, thank you for each and every kids worker in this room. Many of them do it in their own time. Even the ones that are getting paid full time probably don't just do the hours that they're getting paid for. Father God, thank you for each and every one of them. Everything they are, that they are investing into the life of another person. Lord, would you bless them? Would you have your hand on them? Would you guide them, direct them, speak to them, Lord, and replenish their strength for all that they pour out? Would you place somebody in their life to pour back into them? Surround them with encouragers that keep cheering them on and speaking words of life and faith and hope and building them up, Lord, as they build up the children that are the next generation. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. So um, I've been given a title for this afternoon's talk, and you're going to have to keep me on track because I've just seen the time already. Uh, and um, it's building bridges. And as I started to kind of... Um, think about it, pray about it a little bit more, and they want a synopsis of your talk, like, months in advance, and I'm like, Lord, I don't actually know what I'm going to say yet, so can you give me a synopsis that I can at least meet the deadline, and then we will shape what is going to go into it, so what I uh, gave to them is exploring together how we can create environments where ministry to children is embraced by the whole church family, and I am going to speak into that so that you don't feel that you've been shortchanged, because that's why you've come, but I also felt that God steer me in a particular direction um, that is still fitting, but I think he's got something that he wants to say. There's no one-size-fits-all approach, so I will talk to you a little bit about how it looks for us in Coventry, um, but it doesn't mean that that's how it has to look for you or anything like that. And some of the things that I will share this afternoon, you will like take some of it, you will leave some of it, some of it will resonate with you. There is definitely not a one-size-fits-all because in this room, there'll be so many different contexts that are represented. Our churches will look so different from each other. Our children's ministry will look different from each other. So it's not a one-size-fits-all approach at all. So this is where I need my scribe, please, to help me. Um, 
And one of the things I want is for us to together to start to list, and maybe the church leaders in the room can lead on this, but I want um, some input from everyone, if possible, is when we think about what we want adults to experience when they come to church, what are some of those things? And Shiv's going to um, scribe for us. So one of the things I've got on my list is that I want them to feel welcomed and I want them to feel like they belong. Anything else for the adults that come to church? What do we want them to experience in our churches? Fellowship, fantastic. It's that sense of community, being with others. What else? Presence of God, absolutely. Want them to encounter Jesus. Want them to be respected, absolutely. Yeah, sense of freedom. For me, one of the things that are important is that there is an atmosphere of worship. That it isn't just about a worship set, but there's an atmosphere of worship. Anything else? They want to be loved? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. I've got that as well. Yeah, you want it to be enjoyable. You want them to come back and feel like they've had a good time. Feel challenged, yeah. So maybe that's through the word that is shared. Maybe that's through God revealing something to them in the moment. But yes, we definitely want them to feel challenged. One of the things I've got on my list is for them to feel safe emotionally, physically, mentally, all of those things to come into our environments as adults and feel safe. Anything else that we might add to this list? Empowered, yeah, great. Equipped. Supported, fantastic. Valued, yeah. Valued, respected. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I had was that, like, I want them to have some application. How can they grow? What can I, what? That's great on a Sunday, but how do I do that on a Monday? I want to be seen. Yeah. Great. Healing. Okay, we can pause there. Don't go anywhere, Shiv. Okay, so that's what we're thinking about in terms of the um, adults that come to church. So as children's workers, when you think about your children that come to church, come into your settings, what do you want for them to experience? Oh, good. <laughs> exactly. We want children to feel welcomed. We want them to come and have a sense of fellowship. We want them to experience the presence of God. We want them to encounter Jesus. It's more than just about teaching them Bible stories. We want to teach them how to have a relationship with Jesus and for them to know that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, they have access to that spirit if they have a relationship with him. 
We want every child to come into our settings to feel respected and have a sense of freedom for them to be exactly who they are, who God has made them to be, whether that's um, outgoing and energetic, whether it's a child with additional needs or it's the one that wants to sit quietly in the corner. We want them to be in an atmosphere where they learn to worship, whatever that might look like for them. We want them to feel loved. We want them to come and have an enjoyable experience where they feel entertained to the point where they want to come back. And not only do they want to come back next week, they want to bring somebody with them because they had such a great time. We want our kids to feel challenged. Just because uh, they are children, it doesn't mean they need a diluted version of Jesus. Child appropriate doesn't mean diluted down. We want them to feel safe, emotionally, physically, mentally. We want them to be empowered when they go out into the world. They are equipped. We want them to feel supported in whatever it is they might be carrying. We want them to come and know that they are seen, they are valued and respected. We want them to know that if they need healing, that that is the place where they can receive it. And we want to give them tools so they can go out and apply it to the world. Thanks, Shiv, you can sit down because I was hoping you wouldn't have to write a second list that was going to be different to that one. The point is, what I'm trying to make is though, although that you will have different methods as children workers, um, the, the outcome that you want for the kids is the same thing I want as a pastor for the adults um, in church. Our methods might be different, but the outcome, what we are hoping for, is the same. Kids work, Sunday school, whatever you might call it, is a ministry, and it's a very important one. As I've said before, children are the leaders of tomorrow. And children and families are also a sign that the church is growing and has potential to grow and to continue thriving. So to invest in children is to invest in the future of the church. I think it's a huge mistake to think of children's ministry as less important than the ministry to adults. Huge mistake. And here are some of the reasons why I say that. When thinking about children's ministry, it's important to recognize a couple of things. Number one, it's important to recognize children as dynamic participants of God's mission. Sounds like a big statement for little people, but it is 100% true. They are dynamic participants of God's mission. I put on there Deuteronomy 31, uh, 12 and 13, and you can uh, look that up and read that in your own time. But basically, I'll read those verses to you. It says, assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the foreigners residing in your town so that they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So when the law was being shared with um, God's people, the whole of the Israelite army was gathered, all of them, including children. 
And the law was shared to them so that children could hear. They, this happened like every seven years. So it means from childhood, they were being taught, they were listening to the ways in which they needed to live so that they could fear God. And there was this missional approach as well in verse 13 that it said, even the children of the ones that haven't heard, like bring them too. Bring the children of the ones that haven't heard so that they can hear it. It says they must hear it and learn to fear the Lord. Children are dynamic participants of God's mission. We also need to appreciate the insight and understanding children have about the things of God. In Matthew 11, Jesus mentions two kinds of people. He talks about the wise and the learned. He describes them as arrogant. They're the ones that are unteachable. But then he also goes on to talk about children who are humble and open to receive the truth of God's word. Jesus says it pleases the Father God to reveal things to little children. My daughter, who is now 13, when she was about six or seven years old, we were having a time of just like a little short time of prayer as a family before we all went off to um, our various different things that day. And my husband was working sometimes in Liverpool at the time, so from Coventry. It's a good couple of hours drive. And it was Anaya's turn to pray that morning, and she prayed, and she said words to the effect of, uh, Lord, protect Daddy as he goes to Liverpool. Um, help him not to have any injuries. I'm like, opening one eye, looking at my husband, like, that's a real strange thing to pray. Help him, to have not any, help him not to have any injuries. Anyway, we went about our business, carried on. I was working in schools at the time. Uh, got a phone call partway through the morning. It was my husband. He had a major car accident on his way to Liverpool. His car was hit by a lorry. It was written off. He walked away without scratch. Anaya prophetically prayed God's protection over her dad that morning that he wouldn't have any injury. Like, how specific is a prayer of a six-year-old that he wouldn't have any injuries. And thanks be to God, he had no injuries. So we need to appreciate the insight and understanding children have about the things of God. They hear from God as well, and they're able to pray what's on God's heart. When thinking about children's ministry, it's important to value how God uses children for special ministry tasks. So in uh, 1 Samuel 3, you'll know that God was calling Samuel and Samuel thought it was Eli calling him and he didn't quite know what was going on. And then um, he was told how to respond and he says, uh, Eli told him to answer, speak for your servant is listening and in verse 7 of that text, we're told that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The words of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him, but God had a plan and a purpose for that young boy, even though he didn't know the Lord yet. God has a plan and a purpose for the young people that come into your children's ministry that don't even know him yet. We cannot underestimate the special ministry tasks that God has for them. Children are contributing members of uh, the body of Christ, so let them contribute. Like they haven't just come just to listen to you waffle on. I'm sure you don't waffle. Uh, every Sunday morning, 
They are contributing members of the body of Christ. Remember that they are important to God. They don't get this child-sized Holy Spirit. They get the full thing, the same Holy Spirit that we have access to. And Jesus showed how much he valued uh, children, didn't he? So many times, the most famous ones, probably Mark 10, where he calls them into his presence and he blesses them. When everyone else wanted to sort of shun them away and everything like that, he didn't. Hear me when I say this. The approach to children's ministry should never be one of low stakes or low expectations. Children's ministry, when rightly conceived, should be life-changing and earth-shaking. The approach to children's ministry should never be one of low stakes or low expectations. Children's ministry, when rightly conceived, should be life-changing and earth shaking. And if it's really going to be as impactful as that, life-changing, earth-shaking, then children's ministry should be, needs to be embraced by the whole church family. So how do we do that? How do we create environments where ministry to children is fully embraced by the whole church family, where it's valued by everyone? How do we bridge that gap between kids' church and adults' church if it's a gap that needs bridging in your context? What can we do? Well, I went to um, a church uh, last Sunday. It was my mother-in-law's 70th birthday party. They live in Hatfield, so we spent the weekend celebrating her birthday, and we went to church with them. It's the first time we've been to this particular church because they've moved house in the last uh, couple of years, so we haven't been to their new church. And I had a really different experience to what I am used to. So in the main body of the service, all the kids were in. There were kids everywhere making noise, playing with trucks, all that sort of stuff. It was great. Uh, as part of worship, there was lots of children that were stood at microphones. Uh, so the adults were playing instruments and singing, but the children were very much part of worship. There was a little scrap between two girls on the front row fighting over a microphone. I thought it was hilarious. I was so distracted, and I loved it. Um, but yeah, they were fighting over a microphone, but there was children fully involved, probably for half the service. And then there came a point where the pastor said, right, folks, enjoy. Um, you know, they're going off to families church now. So that's a, that was a new term for me, families church. And half the church left, adults and children. So it was literally families church. Parents went off with their kids. And I could see that maybe if there was a couple, so a husband and wife, maybe one of the two would leave and one would stay behind. But a good proportion of the church then went off and um, the rest stayed for the word and so on. And at some point later on, the kids uh, rejoined. That is one way of embracing children. That is one way where children are embraced by the whole church. They are very much part of a lot of the service, and then they go off to do um, their own thing. Anyone have a similar model? Yeah, it's quite common. Are there other ways, though? 
Are there other ways to make sure that children are included and part of what goes on in the wider church that is different from that model? I suggest that there are. And even if you chat to each other, you will find that there are other ways. And what I want to do for a few moments is just tell you a little bit about what that looks like for us in Coventry. So, firstly, it's important to say that anything that you want to see publicly needs to happen privately. So, if we're saying publicly, as a wider group of people, we want everyone to be embracing ministry to children, then it needs to happen privately as well. That means the leadership needs to be embracing uh, ministry to children. It needs to be high priority. So as a leadership, we ask questions like this. How can we serve families? How can we incorporate kids in this? So this being whatever planning that we are doing. How does this impact kids' work? So I had a real... Um, simple conversation with Emma recently. We're thinking about getting some new chairs. The chairs will be housed in a room that she used for kids' work. And we had a conversation about, okay, if we put these chairs in this room, how does that impact you on a Sunday? Does it change the decision about how, whether or not we get the chairs? Maybe not. But it's in our thinking that actually this, these, this purchase and storage of new chairs will impact kids' work. I don't want her to turn up on Sunday and there's just a whole load of chairs in the room and nobody's had that conversation with her. It's a really small thing, but I'm sure it was important to her. We talk about kids' work from the front a lot. So our children are not in our service. They, um, are, they have their own kids' church that goes on right from the beginning. But we talk about kids' work as a leadership from the front a lot. And you leaders in the room will know whatever you are championing from the front your congregation will get on board and they will see it as important as well. So if I'm saying life groups, cell groups, home groups, that's the important thing. Everyone gets on board. If I'm saying we are doing outreach and we need to really champion outreach, um, then that's what's going to happen. So as a leadership, we talk about kids' work from the front a lot. So what's coming up? What's gone well? Um, we encourage parents to go upstairs and say thank you to the kids' worker and that sort of thing. The congregation, um, they really buy into the things that the leaders are championing from the front. That's really important. One of the other things that we do is that we tend to be in um, sermon series for most of the year. So blocks of time, six weeks, eight weeks, and so on, we'll be in um, sermon series. And whatever we are teaching the adults is being taught to the kids. So at the moment, we are in the series of hope. We're talking about unshakable hope. And what's happening in the adults' church is also um, being taught in kids' church and youth. And it means then that gap is bridged for the parents. They can so easily talk about the things that they are learning about or ask the kids what they are learning about. And they can have those conversations, be praying into the same things, be looking at the same scriptures as a family. It's not a separate thing. We are all, as a church, learning about the same topic. 
Um, so really quickly, we bring kids into baptisms when we can so they can be a part of those services, see that happening. Um, that's not always possible because they're in various different rooms. So I think it was this last baptism service, Emma's on the front row on FaceTime, um, so that it's being like sent upstairs to the kids' room so that they can see that and be a part of that. More than anything, our kids are taught the same things that our adults are taught. They're taught the importance of worship and encountering God, like, they're not just taught to sing, they're taught to worship, and I'm sure Emma's probably shared her heart on that in her talk yesterday. They are taught to hear, hear God's voice and learn to prophesy, to speak the things that God is saying. So my six-year-old was able to pray a prophetic prayer of protection over her dad because she was taught to listen to God and to speak the things that she is he hearing. I have been stopped in the corridor by kids after church um, when I've been hobbling around after um, getting a little bit physical in netball. And there's like, oh, we've been told you've got a bad leg. Can we pray for you? And I'm like, yeah. And they're laying hands on and they're praying for healing for me. Little kids in the church, they are taught the importance of that. They're, in taught, they're taught the importance to share their testimony and all the things that God is doing. I could keep going, um, but that just gives you a little bit of a flavor for what's going on. You don't have to um, be ch children's workers either to invest in the life of the children. And I think that's an, another important thing that we really communicate to our congregation. And we give them ways in which they can invest in children in our church. So for example, we've got kids camp coming up this summer and we've given people the opportunity. You might not have a kid that's going, but you could, you could contribute to paying for another child that is going or may struggle to go. So we find ways to bring the congregation in and make them part of of what's going on in children's ministry. And it's great to share ideas with colleagues like I've just shared with you. Some of that stuff you might be doing already, some of that stuff you might think that will not work in my context. It might have inspired something in you and that's why it's good to talk to each other, but please do not fall into a trap of comparison. That is not the aim. Colossians 1.17 says, in all things, uh, sorry, in him, all things hold together. All things, including children's ministry, holds together. He is the person who shapes it, draws it together. He will lead you what is in, into what is next for your context. And I guess that kind of leads me on to my next question, which is what is God saying to you about children's ministry in your context? If I sat with you over coffee and I asked you that question, could you answer that honestly? And if not, why not? And if you don't know what God is saying to you about children's ministry in your context, ask him. And keep asking him until you feel you've got an answer. But let me take it one step further, because is he saying the same thing to you today as he was saying to you yesterday? Because sometimes we hold on, this is the vision for kids' ministry. And it's actually, has God changed the vision and you've not been listening? So an example of that, Genesis chapter 6. God says to Noah, make yourself an ark. And he gives him all the dimensions of the ark and what he needs to do and send the animals in and blah, 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 blah. Genesis 7 
God says, go into the ark. If Noah wasn't listening to the next thing from God, he would have been washed away with everybody else. If he just listened to build the ark, but he didn't hear get into the ark, where would Noah be? Genesis 22, God says to Abraham, take your son who you love and sacrifice him. Ten verses later, he says, don't touch the boy. If Abraham wasn't listening for God's next words, he would have killed his son. And he would have said, I was being obedient. My point to you is, what is God saying now? Not just what has he said about children's ministry. What is he saying now in this season? Right, I'm going to speed up. The reality is, most of you aren't the decision makers. The reality is you have visions and passions and ideas and maybe God is speaking to you about what he wants children's ministry in your context to look like. But perhaps you are seeing things that other people around you don't see and you want it to be embraced by the whole church. And that isn't necessarily the case. And sometimes there is a bridge, uh, a gap that needs bridging between like the children's workers and maybe the ones that make the decisions, like the senior pastors and so on. And if that bridge needs building, then um, that can be difficult to know what to do. So I just wanted to run some things through with you that may help with that. So many of you may be asking the questions like, how can I help my leaders see things how I see them? How do I influence those above me, also known as leading up? Like, I um, am the subordinate, if you want to use that term. How do I lead up and make a difference? And I need you to know, you don't have to be in charge to have influence. You are leaders. You do not have to be in charge to make a difference. And for the leaders in the room, I need you to know that it takes wisdom and humility to empower your team to lead up. It also requires you to create this psychological safety in your environments whereby they have the freedom to share their thoughts and, and ideas without um, having the risk of consequence creating that safe space. So here are five keys to leading up. Number one, honor your leaders publicly and privately. If you have issues, um, there are proper channels that need to that you can go through if there's um, you know, moral failings, all that sort of thing. But what I'm saying is honor your leaders because they are your leaders. Honor their position publicly and privately. So I was at a church not so long ago. I'm just scanning the room, making sure it's safe to say it. Uh, I was at a church uh, not so long ago. How do I put this? Okay. And um, I was saying to the kids worker, I love something about your ministry. I think it's great. I've observed it briefly and it looks great. And that person said, oh, I'm glad you like it because senior pastor doesn't and they're about to axe it. Awkward. I don't need to know that. Honor your leaders publicly and privately. That person could have just said thank you and let it sit in the room. And senior pastor might have thought, hmm. But actually what that person would have done is just put the senior pastors back up and be like, that's definitely going now. 
Honor your leaders. Serve them. Andy Stanley says, honor publicly equals influence privately. Honor is a heart posture of humility. And when you choose to honor those who may be difficult to show honor to, what you are doing is saying, Lord, I choose to honor you. It's a choice that you need to make. And how you follow is a real reflection on how you lead. If you are able to follow with honor, then you will lead with honor as well. And sometimes we have to ask our quest- a question, is it more important to be right or in right relationship? For the leaders in the room, a question for you to consider is how do I honor my team members privately and publicly? Do I correct privately and champion publicly or is it the other way around? Am I leading in a way that's honorable? You know that verse, search me, Lord. Like, show me if there's any offensive ways in me. Number two, timing is key. Think about the time when you want to present your idea or vision or passion. Sunday afternoon probably isn't it. Just after a service probably isn't it. Think about what's the best time of the day to present this to my my leader? What's the best time of the week? You know, I do sermon prep on a Thursday and Friday. Don't talk to me on a Thursday or Friday about anything unless it's what's the response song that you want on Sunday, Shireen? That's the only question I want on a Thursday or Friday. Friday. Timing is key. And what's the best time for you? If something has happened and you feel agitated by it, is that the best time to talk to somebody about how we change it? Or do you need to go away and calm down and pray about how to present it well? I'd always say respect the time of your leaders. Go in prepared. Formulate your ideas. Write them down. Have a list of notes. Don't just go in and kind of off the top of your head, just, you know, where you've not really formulated your ideas. Really respect their time. And leave enough time for planning and advertising and preparation. If you've got a great idea about something you can do for the next baptism service that's going to take some work, it's probably not a great idea to wait till the week of that baptism service to present those ideas. Timing is key. Why not say it a month before so we can work towards it? And it's important to understand not everything is for this season. Like you might have a really clear idea about what you think God wants you to do, but timing is key. And as a leader, it's our responsibility to look at the bigger picture and when's the right time to make changes. It doesn't mean that you've heard wrong from God. It might just be the right thing for a different season. You might just have to hold on to it. For the leaders in the room, how can you help with that? Give your team the best part of your day or week. Allow them to have regular access to you where they can talk to you. I meet with um, our departmental leaders that I line manage every Monday. 
So anything that's happened from a Sunday, they've got Sunday evening to process, think about it. They can come to me on a Monday when we have our one-to-ones and we can talk it through. We can also talk through the week that's ahead. If there's stuff coming up, they've got that opportunity every week to talk about it. And if my door is open, they are free to come in and talk to me throughout the week as well. But I find if we have great conversation on Monday, that's less likely to happen throughout the week. They can leave me alone on a Thursday and Friday while I prepare my sermon. Next one, I've lost count where I am. Number three, motive matters. What is your heart posture behind presenting a new idea or vision? Who does it serve? Does it serve you? Does it serve the church? Does it serve the children and families that you are working with? Does it bring glory to someone or does it bring glory to God? Motive matters and it's about partnering with your leaders, not about self-promotion. And sometimes you have to think about, like, does your vision align with the wider vision of the church? I've heard our leaders talking about this is the direction that we're going with. And if I'm saying something that is over here, is it really from God? Is it a God idea or one of my good ideas? Does it align with the wider vision of the church? But your motive, your heart posture really matters for the leaders in the room, it's important to communicate the vision of the church to your team. So when they hear from God, they can hear if it aligns with what God is saying in their children's work, in their family's work. And my question is, are there areas that you might need to release control of leaders to to allow your team to lead? Next one. Use your initiative. Like, please, don't just highlight problems. Don't be that person. Come with possibilities. Don't just highlight the obstacles. Come with opportunities. Uh, We uh, had a um, person, this was in a, a role that I had, where they were given a task to kind of evaluate how we did something and come back and, like, how can we relaunch that? And when they had the opportunity to come back and say how we can relaunch it, they basically just slated the old way of doing it. And it's like, well, the people that are sat here all came up with those ideas that you've just ripped to shreds. Like, my, my point is, like, how can we make it better? Don't just point out problems. Present possibilities. Use your initiative by finding things um, that to do that doesn't just serve your department. And when us as leaders see that in you, we see actually your heart is for this church. It's not just about the ministry that you serve. To the leaders in the room, empower your team to lead. Draw clear boundary lines to define their responsibilities, what they are expected to do, what they are authorized to do, and what is out of bounds. Those things are not easily communicated in a job description. And finally, honest communication. Like, nobody needs a yes man, a yes woman. We, you are on the front line. You see things that we don't see. It's important that you communicate honestly to us so we can see and hear what's going on. Um, those who care enough will tell their leaders about things that are going on in the church that they see that isn't working well. It's, then your, it's not your responsibility then what your leader does with that. But honest communication is so valuable. But I need you to be prepared for 
disappointment and disagreement. Your leader's not always going to think that your God idea is a good idea. They're not always going to agree, so guard your heart above all else. Prepare for disappointment and disagreement. And I think this is where the uh, Reinhold neighbor serenity prayer feels so appropriate. It says, oh God and heavenly father, grant to us the serenity of mind to accept that which cannot be changed. Courage to change that which can be changed and wisdom to know one from the other through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You don't need a title to make a difference. You just need the right heart, the right attitude, and the right approach.